0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Several Auburn fans said that Cal was the most important matchup on the schedule. Well, they won. What now?
0: Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us as he does every single Monday, Auburn Daily's Lindsey Crosby, as well as the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey, the Auburn Tigers won an ugly game, but won nonetheless. Ah, uh, for the first time in program history, in the state of California, they beat the Cal Golden Bears, fourteen to ten. And I think this is a situation where it is a a win is a win. I think you can walk away from that game believing that Auburn is the better team. They are better than Cal. Didn't execute like it for a big majority of the game, but they did enough to win. And I think I came out too negative responding to this game a day ago.
0: Y- yeah. Um. You guys were a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit critical, but it's like that's the emotions right after the game, right? And that's why you, I love that you guys record those right after the game. It was one like thirty
1: in the morning. We were tired. We were beat up a little bit. It is what it is. Yeah.
0: But at the end of the day, and this is something I was saying in the room when it was happening. Like, you know what? When you go back and you look to see is Auburn bowl eligible or not? They're not going to look at. Okay, yeah, but that was an ugly loss, so it counts for less. It counts the exact same as any other win. And so Hugh freezes two and oh, and even when you have an ugly win one, like you said, still win, but two, you can really like, you can still get a lot of takeaways, learn a lot of things about your team to help you figure out going forward. What do we need to do more of or less of? What do we need to emphasize who deserves more playing time or less? And so like you, you accomplished every objective because the objective was win the game, and learn more information so we can be a better version of ourselves. And that's what you did against Cal.
1: Yeah, and and I think you did learn a few things, and we'll touch on those over the course of today's episode, Lindsay. But so many folks, I mean, how many times do we talk about what are the most important wins on this schedule? And so many people said Cal, Auburn's first road trip of the season Mm -hmm. to Cal. And Auburn won. Auburn won that game. I personally said it's two weeks from now against Texas A&M. But the fact that Auburn was able to win on the road against Cal, I think does say a few things. And look, I think I think there's going to be a little bit more juice, a little bit more emotion in the locker room from what we saw this past weekend versus what we will see moving forward. I, I think they felt like there was a chip on their shoulder because a lot of the national media was picking Cal. Freaking Cal. Mm -hmm. A program that's never really done anything other than just get gifted Aaron Rodgers. Um, Marshawn Lynch, too. Marshawn Lynch, Deshaun Jackson. That's kind of it. Jared Goff, if you want to put him in that conversation, you certainly do not have to. But they haven't really done anything. And I said this before. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Uh, On the Cal hasn't done anything thing. Did anybody else find it a little disrespectful when they did the comparisons of the running backs from both schools? And they're like, yeah, Auburn's had Bo Jackson and Cadillac Williams and like all these great backs. And then Cal's like they've had Marshawn Lynch and then a couple of guys. And yeah, it's like, these are not the same. Also, where's Ronnie Brown? Why was he not in there? You put Cadillac in there, uh-huh. Ronnie Brown, not in there? first yeah. round pick. But that's right. It's just, they tried to make like the case that these schools are equivalent in building running backs. It's like, no. Not. You had one great one in Marshawn Lynch and a couple guys that went to the league. Mm-hmm. Auburn's had some all-time historic greats and then also some first-round picks and then also some guys that went to the league.
1: Yeah, so I think that kind of plays into the disrespect that this yeah. locker room felt because they did, this team does not care that it was an ugly win. I, I mean, just talking to folks in the locker room and folks that travel with the team, they don't care. That it was an ugly win. The coaching staff might, right? And they've got to fix that because they need to figure out what the issues were. But I mean, Jay Fair went live from his Instagram. I think a few other guys did, and like they, it was a party in that visiting locker room because it it it, it meant a lot to this group. And I think you know the comments from Jay, not the 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 Cal running back about you know Auburn's a name, but the film doesn't match all that. You could tell that was personal. You could tell it was personal by the way they were tackling him. There was a gang tackle every single time he got the football, which is great. Maybe it taught them something. But I think there's a little extra juice. I think there were some nerves. You certainly could see that with Peyton Thorne. He didn't look near as comfortable as what we saw a week ago. But you won. With all these terrible things that happened (sighs) in the first half, at halftime, it felt like Auburn was down three touchdowns, and they weren't because the defense was so incredible, Lindsay. And the fact that you were able to win this game, a game that you should not have won. Let's just be very clear here. You should not have won this game. Cal's kicker should have made these simple kicks. That call that, you know, when Peyton Thorne fumbled the ball into the Cal defender's hands and they blew it dead, they should not have blown it dead. He was in bounds; He should have scored a touchdown there. But it didn't happen, right? So Auburn got gifted a few things. And, and the fact that you found a way to win, despite nothing going your way, including you getting in your own way several times and the coaching staff not having a solid offensive game plan, whatever it may be, you won. You won. And that's great for Auburn. And it keeps your uh, you know, this chance to have this really special season alive. And that should be celebrated.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you traveled twenty like two thousand something miles and you knocked off a power five team. Like that's that's reason to celebrate because that's not something that every SEC team was able to do over the weekend, you know. A and M got spanked by Miami, like, and and so like you did you did this. Did you any other SEC
1: it. teams lose this weekend? Oh oh um
0: yeah yeah, yeah. to Power Five schools yeah. Hang on, uh, there's there's one. Um, um, they lost to
1: a Big Twelve school. I- I'm blanking on what
0: happened. Yeah, I don't I don't something about. I just, I I got a postcard in the mail when I got home from the baseball game today and it said something like Texas is back. Like you're invited to the party now, something like that. I don't know, something like that, but yeah. Yeah. So like other sec schools, other power five, you know, lost to other power five opponents that are non that are non-conference as of now, uh, but Auburn won. And so yeah, end of the year doesn't matter. It was ugly. It was a win, but you learned stuff you and they were happy. This was their first real test and you passed. You got a sixty-five, but you passed. You know what you call the guy that finishes last in their in his class
1: at med school? You call him a doctor. You call him a doctor. Auburn
0: yep. passed, but barely. But they passed.
1: Yep. And, and you call Auburn winners despite how they did it. They had four more points than Cal when it was all said and done, and that's all that matters. And look, I think there's a, I think there's some kind of um, value in a team that just finds a way to win when nothing goes right, because. I don't think Auburn's offense will look as bad as it did Saturday night for the rest of the season, and I don't care who it's against. I don't care if it's against Georgia. I don't care if it's against Texas A&M in two weeks. Auburn will not have as bad of a night offensively as they did against Cal for the rest of the season. I'm putting my flag in the ground and saying that
0: it would. As somebody said at halftime, like it would be hard to have a worse right a worse showing than that. Uh, but it's very, very early and you knew like, I think we got a false sense of of security about how the offense looked against UMass, not understanding that power five opponents, it's a different level of complexity, different level, a different challenge to your offense. Uh, I personally do think maybe the floor is a little bit lower than I realized with the maybe. offense, but you can also see where later in the game when you started being a little more consistent with keeping the same guy in at quarterback for the entire drive, the offense started to click and things started to happen. And when you right. opened up the book and you let the transfer quarterback you pick throw or that the you picked out of the portal, throw to the transfer tight end that you picked out of the portal, magic happened. And yeah, you so right. you, you kind of saw, okay, here's the blueprint. What we have to do. It's not all of that crap we did earlier.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's right. And look, you teed it up perfectly. The quarterback situation, the quarterback rotation, the way it was implemented on Saturday, it's not helping anyone. We discussed that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Athletic Brewing Co. And of course, that means it's now time for your game changer of the week brought to you by the Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Eugene Asante and what he did on Saturday night as a game changer. Our friends at Athletic Brewing Company, they have changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And look, Eugene Asante was a game changer. 12 total tackles. Nine of them were solo. We also had a sack and a tackle for loss and a pass breakup and two quarterback hurries. Game changer. Athletic Brewing Company, the same way. They've changed the non-alcoholic beer game. It actually tastes like beer. It actually tastes good. I've got some in my fridge right now. They're fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, make any activity even more enjoyable and hey you don't have to worry about the hangovers and the grogginess because obviously it's non-alcoholic so you can uh find athletic brewing co's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or you can buy online at athleticbrewing.com first time customers can use code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n no spaces locked on for 15 percent off your first online order at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Lindsay.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the years best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com.
1: Crosby, our Monday guest. So when you talk about the quarterback situation, this quarterback rotation that this coaching staff is still trying to figure out, the way it was implemented Saturday was not the same way it was implemented against UMass a week ago. The way it was implemented Saturday against Cal, Lindsay, it wasn't good for Peyton Thorne. It wasn't good for Robbie Ashford. And it wasn't good for the Auburn Tigers. Because you said it, you teed it up. When Peyton was actually able to complete a full drive, things looked fine. They put Robbie Ashford in a few drives into the game, and it felt like they put him in in a situation of desperation. Nothing's working. It almost seemed like there was some panic. Robbie, you go in. And try to see if you can change things. And it didn't work. Because that's not what the strength of Robbie's game is. And they kind of gave him the full offense. And that's not what it needs to look like. And there are some folks that walked away from that and said, oh, well, Peyton Thorne wasn't good, so Robbie needs more snaps. I don't think that's what we saw. But I'm not going to tell you you're wrong here. Robbie Ashford threw three passes. He was one for three for zero yards. And then as a rusher, He carried the ball four times as a rusher for eight yards, and he had a 10-yard rush. So think about that. Think about that. But this isn't Robbie's fault. If you're going to put Robbie in in situations, you need to kind of have the idea of what you're going to do with him in that moment in time ready to go when you trot him onto the field. You don't need to put him on the field, then call the play, because that still seems to be an issue that they're working out from a communication standpoint. So many times... The play just took too long to get in when they changed quarterbacks. They've got to fix that. There's no reason for that to happen. Lindsay.
0: If you're running somebody in from the sideline, it is very easy to give them the play as they go in. There's no reason to do the prairie dog thing where you all run in, you line up, and you pop up and you look over the sideline. Right. And Auburn had, I want to say it was, they blew two timeouts of their six trying to avoid a procedure penalty. Sounds right. And then there was another instance, at least where they ended up bringing it back. The other quarterback who had been in the game before they called the timeout, I right. think that was the, the Peyton Thorne before they, they were down in the red zone. And so it, it really, honestly, when you were watching, it felt like the game plan was, oh, we're just going to run the ball all over Cal. And when then that, when that didn't work, when Ashford handing off to Hunter and Kyle and everybody else didn't work they freaked out and they put in Robbie and said, okay, we're going to do the same stuff. But we're going to have Robbie back there so that he yeah, can run just, around some. I
1: mean, that, that feels like we're setting Robbie up to fail.
0: Yeah. And, and there was too many situations when Robbie would be in there. Maybe the play would go for no gain or Hunter would get tackled for a loss or something. And now it's second and 12 and they'd send thorn back out there. And it's like, okay, well now we know it's going to be a pass play. It's that telegraphing based on down and distance. It feels like if you're going to send Ashford in, it's like we did in week one. It's a specific package. You have a plan ahead of time. Hey, here's what we're going to try to do with Robbie Ashford. And it's it, it makes sense based on game situation and on script. And it's in a part of the field. That's why we call him Red Zone Robbie. It's in a part of the field where you still have run and pass options that are legitimately uh, threatening to the other team. You, take, you put Robbie Ashford in at second and 12. Nobody thinks Robbie Ashford's passing the ball downfield.
1: Mm-hmm. And you you saw that in some of the three carries for eight or four carries for eight yards. You saw it. So in doing that, you're setting Robbie up to fail. You then take away any sort of flow that Peyton had in that drive. You're removing him from the game. And that's just not good for any of the quarterbacks there. And so I'm not saying to not use Robbie. In fact, I think, I think UMass showed that it could work. You just got to figure out how to use it better. Um, and more selective, I think, because I think the more selective you are, Robbie may have less total snaps, but he's going to be way more productive and he's going to get better. St- I mean, his stat line was all His pro football focus rating, if you're into PFF stuff, but he was the lowest graded offensive player on the team. He had a 35.8. His passing grade was a 28.2. Like That's terrible. But once again, like that's not Robbie's fault. I just think the way that they used him was unfortunate, to say the least.
0: Yeah. And and something that I feel like they got a false sense of security on against UMass was the student body left or student body right play where Robbie's back there with the running back and the side the running back is on Robbie's going to take the snap and immediately take off that direction and like a sweep kind of action and against a team like UMass that worked. You got a hat on a hat. You had better athletes than them. You got tons of yards. We saw a couple times when Auburn would try that and somebody would get past a block, somebody would get through and it yeah. wouldn't work. Uh, that's the kind of play when it's just, it feels like you're just kind of Yolo in the thing. Like just, Robbie go that way. You know, yeah. you you're, you're, you're athletic. You're fast. You'll figure it out. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's the sign of we didn't necessarily know how to use Robbie. We just know we needed to, or we wanted to, And so we just threw stuff out to see what would stick. And that's not going to work in conference play. You've got to
1: fix that. Yeah, I I think so. I think so. Um, Let's switch to some other things. Eugene Asante this weekend (sighs) was incredible. I said it last week. He proved to me against UMass he is the number one linebacker. And then he put an exclamation mark, all caps, bold font, all of it on that statement over the course of the 60 minutes late Saturday night. I mean, incredible outing. For Eugene Asante. And we can talk about the tackles. And the solo tackles. And the pass rushing and all of that. Which is great. And all that stuff shows up in stat sheets. Very valuable. But what doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Is the energy that he injected. Into this defense. And into this team. And into the Auburn fan base. He's not just a hype guy anymore. He's not just a guy who buttons his top button. That we all absolutely love and adore. But he is the face of this defense right now. And there's a lot of talented dudes on this defense. But right now, Eugene Asante is him, and the defense runs through him, especially in the front seven.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it he was a wrecking ball. He was sniffing out passes to the running back. He was getting off tackles or getting off of blocks and making tackles in the backfield, had a pass breakup. He was he impacted the game in just about every single way. A, a middle of the field player could do on defense. And it, it I can't remember the last time we had a defense a, a, a linebacker that could wreck the game that significantly. It felt like at, at I mean, times he was single-handedly stopping Cal on an entire drive.
1: I mean, it felt like Zacobe, right? It felt like Zacobe McClain or Deshaun Davis. And that was a position group where there wasn't a clear answer, right? Like, do we have that guy on this roster? We do. We do now, which is um, which is huge. Um, and he graded well at everything. Uh, I mean, his, his, he had the best pass rushing grade on the team. He had the third or fourth best rush uh, rush tack, uh, rush run defense grade. Wow, I can't talk. Um, so a lot of good things for Eugene Asante. Donovan Kaufman was also elite. His first two games of the season have been incredible. And Donovan Kaufman was a dude... That I'm saying, the collectively, a big chunk of the Auburn media and the Auburn fan base kind of forgot about after spring, because it seemed like they were kind of moving on without him. And boy, has he found a role! He has been exceptional. Shout out to Donovan Kaufman.
0: Yeah, I, it, they they figured out the best way to use him is to have him close to the line of scrimmage. Have him not on the line, but really close to the you know to the line of scrimmage, not in the box, but really close to the box. And just absolutely let him wreck in every phase. Um, Another guy where you can see like the Ron Roberts defense, he was made for that because he's fast enough to cover some guys, but he can hit hard enough to, you know, to make run stops playing the run game. He's quick enough to rush the passer. He kind of does a little bit of everything. And is he the ideal physical character of what you want in that position? Maybe not but he has everything that you need to be a wrecking machine and the veteran experience that he brings having done this for a couple of years definitely helps and so he's so smart he processes it so quick it's like and that's both asante and kaufman the big thing for this was diagnosing what the offense is trying to do and getting in a position to stop it that was the big takeaway that i had as much as they the tackles were impressive and the hits were impressive. Sure. The big takeaway was they were in the right place to make the play. Yeah, And because I'm bringing everything back to baseball, it's like, it's like the defensive player who he's there. Like he gets to where the ball was hit. Like he, he got there because he knew the positioning. He knew how the balls had to come off the bat. And he was ready when the yeah, at the crack of the bat, same thing. They understood how the offense was working and they, they got themselves in position to make the play. And that's not something that a lot of guys can do. And that's not something that I feel like we've had multiple guys like that in a while.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's ask the question. How much of what happens Saturday actually matters when you look at the rest of the season? We discuss in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best place to wager on all of your sports betting action. The NFL season is here. You can uh, get involved with that as well on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Also, all new FanDuel customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So if you use this $5 right, man, it could really change your day. Holy cow. So now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app's easy to use. You can get bet on everything from spreads to player props. And a whole lot more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. Fanduel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Lindsey Crosby, final few minutes on today's show. Let's ask the question. How much of what happened Saturday, with all the, uh, the craziness, with all the chaos, with all the uncertainty, with all the newness, How much of that matters for the rest of the year? Because I've already kind of made the statement. You didn't seem to disagree entirely with it. I don't think Auburn's going to look that bad on offense again this year. I think a lot of the communication stuff can be fixed quickly. Hugh Freeze has talked about how he wished the guys could have flown out there Friday instead of Thursday, so they're not just sitting around all day. You're also not going to go out that far west again this year. You're not going to play a game that late again this year. And look, some people think that stuff doesn't matter. I do. I think it did. I think it certainly mattered um, this past Saturday night. Or I think Auburn would have played better, just point blank. I think they would have. Um, so I guess my question to you is, how much can we take from Saturday and apply to the rest of the season? Versus, okay, the struggles and the inconsistencies that we saw Saturday night, eh, it, It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, solidified just to be a one night thing. I think most of of
0: that game, what you're taking away is how the coaching staff approached it and how the coaching staff handled it. The players yeah. did the best they could with the game plan that they were given. Agreed. Given, like you you listed out the extenuating circumstances, and there's a lot of stuff there. And my my time covering uh, prospects, college baseball, things like that. All of that stuff off the field absolutely matters, absolutely has an impact on these guys. Even the pros, you see them when they travel across cross country, how they struggle, you know, and all of that. And so for me, the big takeaways are how did the coaching staff prepare and what mistakes they made in the game versus the players? I don't think Saturday on the field mattered that much as far as how Peyton Thorne played or how Robbie Ashford played or The defense, Mm -hmm. other than giving you a high level picture of, okay, Eugene Asante is really good. (laughs) You know, big picture stuff like that. I think the the fine points you can take away is the offensive game plan didn't adjust quickly enough, and the way that they handled personnel didn't adjust quickly enough. That's a coaching issue. You can take away plenty of stuff on the coaching, but the actual
1: players, no. And even... I'm glad that you say that because even like the early offensive struggles, I think the players executed fine. It wasn't perfect, obviously, but a lot of times it was just a bad play and it wasn't it wasn't there or Or, Cal made a good play. Sure. Sure. And so I I do think Hugh Freeze and this offensive coaching staff are going to have a lot of talks on, okay, why didn't this work and how can we make sure we are better prepared offensively moving forward? Because look, I get the whole. It seemed like the game plan originally was we're going to try to run run on them. So they did two runs on first and second down with Jarquez. Then on third down, Payne tried to make something happen. He fumbled the ball, and then obviously Cal got that first turnover. Second series, Jarquez on first down, Jarquez on second down. If I remember correctly, third and medium, you couldn't convert. And then like you're on, you're standing in your end zone essentially. And like you're gonna you can't call the full, you know, array of your offense when you're doing that either. And then that's when they went to Robbie. And it's like you've gotta have other plans. You either gotta trust your game plan and keep riding it, or you've got to have the okay, if this doesn't go well, what are we gonna do then? And that was kind of the big complaint during the Malzahn era, right? The game plan wouldn't work, and then it's like,
0: I don't know. I don't know what we gotta do here. I don't know, we're just gonna keep running up the middle. We're just going to keep hatback diving.
1: Yeah, and so what we saw Saturday didn't match with what we've seen from Hugh Freeze teams at his previous stops at Ole Miss and at Liberty. And so I don't think that's going to happen again, Lindsay. I just don't think it is. And maybe maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe I'm booging. Maybe I've got too much faith in this team and this coaching staff. I don't know, but I just don't think this is going to be an issue throughout the season. And part of this too, I think, is... We have to remember we Hugh freeze has never been in
0: this position before of somebody else is calling his plays, Like he, he's not the play caller. It's an he's, interesting he, thing. Yeah. He's always been the guy who did that. And so some of this too is understanding, taking the macro level of this is what we want to do and mm-hmm. how it gets translated into the game. And then when things stop, stop working, we don't know whose idea it was to put in Ashford. We don't know if that was something somebody said, if that was the original sure. plan, you know, and so it's a lot of like we talk about the wide receivers and the quarterbacks having to build that chemistry, understanding who's going to wh- where it's going to be, the, where the ball is going to be, what yeah. route you're going to run here. You've got to have that same thing with the offensive coaching staff, right? Understanding the chemistry, understanding what Philip Montgomery wants to do, what Hugh Freeze wants to do and how to marry that. And so right. they're going to take some time. Like you said, they're going to do some self re- self-reflection, figure out why this didn't work. How are other SEC teams going to try to stop this. Like, like, are they going to do it the same way Cal did a different way that Cal did? How can we adapt what we did to survive in the conference? And that's what you're going to take away from this. You're not, not going to take away, you know, is, is Damari Alston better than Hunter, like Jarquez Hunter or whatever. You're not gonna take that away. Like that, that's not what we're looking sure. at, but it's right. the coaching stuff. We're going to look at here and figure out, okay, we need to be more explicit with this is what we want to do on offense. This is the plan for, how we want to use robbie when we want to use him and this is the structure we're going to build in there so i think the biggest thing on that game was it was kind of unstructured it was just kind of we're just going to go with the flow we're going to call what feels good and we're going to decide in the moment and i think we've learned that you're susceptible to bias there's emotions in there you panic a little bit you throw robbie in and everything goes to hell so
1: Yeah, and there's a few things I want to touch on throughout the week. We'll probably do this tomorrow with Charlie 5, but I'm trying to do quick math. I think there were 16 targets, and I believe seven of them were to wide receivers, and Auburn only had three catches from their wide receivers. That's not good. That has to change. Yeah. especially when we talked about a strength of this offense with being able to spread out the football. So far, through two games, that's not the case. So we'll speculate certainly on that throughout the week. Lindsey Crosby, in the meantime, how can people check out everything you've got going on? Uh, t- Twitter's the hub for everything, at Crosby Baseball. There's tons
0: of stuff on there. Uh, whether it's minor league baseball, Locked On Prospects, whether it's Auburn Sports, AuburnDaily.com, or Atlanta Braves coverage, BravesToday.com.
1: Yep, absolutely. Hey, check out um, our new Locked On insider um, group that we've got. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below to sign up. You can text with me directly as well as get any kind of scoops that I send out to everybody that's in that insider group. Also, please click that subscribe button. We hit uh, 13,000 subscribers last week. Very, very cool. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. In the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.